At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, and with me is Ron Hicks. Ron, thank you for, for joining us on this uh, special edition of the Commonwealth Matters. We're going to talk about processing public tragedy. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate the invitation, as always, and um, it's, it's, uh, it's enlightening. It's comforting to be able to, to look at things from a biblical perspective, because if not, how do you process these tragedies? Yeah, and, and you know, when we when we think of a topic like this, public tragedy, and what we're talking about is what happened in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. where a gunman went into a Jewish synagogue on the day of worship, on Shabbat, and he just opened fire. Uh, Eleven people were killed, uh, others were injured, and I can't think of a better guest to have on the program than a pastor who's pastored for, for many, many years, but then also... You're a uh, chaplain to the Hopkinsville uh, uh, Police Department, and you have seen public tragedy. You have been there where uh, parents are grieving or loved ones are grieving, and they're trying to make sense of a very difficult situation. We're going to try to do that on this program, uh, as you mentioned, to to process through from a biblical perspective. But one of the first things I want to ask, Ron, is how do you make sense of somebody— becoming so off-kilter, uh, becoming so violent that they take a gun into a place of worship, a sanctuary, and they're just going to open fire on innocent people. How do you, where do you begin with that? Well, I, I think it's kind of a two-pronged sort of thing, Richard. We, we are, we know that we're flesh, we're blood, mm-hmm. um, and so that we have, a, we have a, 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 a fleshly system. We have a mind, and, and, and when somebody does something like this, their mind at that moment is not right. Now, I don't know if this gentleman suffered from long-term mental illness, but but to go in and slaughter people when they're worshiping their God, uh, is no, the person who does that is not, not in their right mind. And then there's a spiritual aspect. The, the mm-hmm. scriptures tell us that, uh, you know, um, non-believers can be demon-possessed. Now, now a house cannot have two masters, so yeah. a Christian cannot be demon-possessed, and maybe that's a different show, but... But uh, I'm not suggesting, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not suggesting this man was demon-possessed. However, in the scriptures, it talked about people who were chained outside of town, who hurt themselves, threw themselves in the fire, and they were chained outside of town, presumably because they wreaked havoc to people inside town. So so there's a spiritual aspect and there's a physical aspect, and both of those things may have been at play in this man's and, life. And, and as you recall, or mentioned, the psychological aspect as well. Yes, if, if somebody, If somebody's mind isn't working, if, yes. if they are mentally ill, mm-hmm. it could lead them to do this. Yeah. So, so when you brought in the possibility of demon possession, I'm thinking some of the listeners might say, well, that's ridiculous. That might be good for a Hollywood movie. It might be good for a scare, but... Come on, nobody believes in demons or angels or that kind of thing. You want to hear something ridiculous? I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you. You want to hear something ridiculous? There was a young man by the name of Ronnie Hicks, his family called him, mm-hmm. who was steeped in sin, mm-hmm. who at one time in his life went to church high. Mm-hmm. 
And God so loved Ron Hicks that he sent his son Mm -hmm. Jesus to die on the cross while I was yet an enemy of his so that I might be able to have forgiveness and everlasting life. He gave me his grace. He gave me his Holy Spirit. He gave me spiritual gifts. That's ridiculous. But it's as true as I'm looking at you right now. So what you're, so what you're getting to is that you had a heart change in yes, your life. a mind change. But, of... but this speaks to something that we cannot touch. You know, we saw this horrible act of violence in Pittsburgh. Uh, that was a physical thing. We could point to it. We could, we could see the results mm-hmm, of evil. Mm-hmm. But you can't see what's going on in the human heart. Now, what you shared, yeah. that, that was a heart change that you yeah, had. Yeah. And, with this, and with this gunman by the name of Robert Bowers, that's mm-hmm. what police sources tell us, he walked into that building, the Tree Life, the Tree of Life Synagogue in Squirrel Hill, which is in Pittsburgh, and he and he shouted, "All Jews must die!" Mm. And then he opened fire. Hmm. And obviously, something was going on at a heart level right. with oh, him for, for for that to happen. His emotional state, his psychological state. But you're suggesting that the spiritual breakdown could have taken place oh, as well, absolutely. which whether it was. Uh, demonic activity uh-huh. or alienation, just simple alienation from the Creator. Uh, absolutely, and e- even if he was a self-professing Christian, and and I say, I, you know, only God judges. Uh, you know, the prodigal son, we all know that story. When he was when he was face down in a pigsty, begging his coworkers for for slop that he might be able to eat, nobody walking by would have said, "That's the son of a rich man." Yeah. But that's exactly who he was. But he was certainly disenfranchised separated from God, his family, and everybody else, and, and he didn't appear at that moment to be. So certainly this was not the, the works of righteousness no, that took place. This was no. not the fruit of somebody who's walking with God. No, some people will say, well, God punished those people because of this and because of that. That's yeah. contrary to what Scripture says. So, so what I'm trying to get to, though, is that there was, a, there was something going on internally that we cannot put a physical finger on, right. so to speak. There, there, is, there was a heart at work. There was a mind at work. Uh, spiritual influences mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. likely yeah. at work. Yeah. And and but as a as a people, uh, we're trying to process through this. How do you get your mind around such a, such an act of evil? And and what would be the Christian response? Well, I mean, and I think what we need to do is we need we need to we need to hear the responses that are coming so far. So, you know, some people said we don't want President Trump here unless he he unequivocally can denounce his white supremacist. So so. They, they have to blame it on something. So it had to have been the white supremacists. You're going to have a group of people that says, well, we've, this, this is the final straw. We've got to get rid of assault rifles. So they're blaming it on the assault rifle. So they put it on everything except where it really lies, a mentally ill, spiritually wrecked individual who yeah. was not in his right mind, who could have driven a car, a truck, into yeah. a school or a synagogue. So we've got to get to the hard issue. And so, so the— um, I don't. I forgot what your question was. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do we respond? No, I mean, how do we? So the proper response: we saw evil at yeah, work, yeah. at real evil yes. manifest itself, yes. and there's a very, very broken community. Yeah. And and I would say that the proper response is for for Christians to weep with those who weep, to be there to comfort those who are grieving, to offer a shoulder to cry on, to be part of that community for those who are there, to be part of the yeah. community. And to grieve with them. That's Absolutely. an entirely appropriate response. Absolutely. We're, we're, there's a Muslim group, and we'll probably talk about that later, a Muslim group that's that's not only weeping with them, but they're saying, hey, there's there's practical needs, and we're going to do our best to meet those needs. There's a, 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 a Iranian guy doing, doing the exact same thing. People who aren't Jewish are rallying um, to, to their, their being empathetic. Yeah, so, so you're referring to a, an Iranian refugee who's actually studying in Washington, D.C. He started a GoFundMe account, 
and and so far as the time of this recording, he raised over eight hundred and thirty nine thousand wow. dollars to help the to, to help them rebuild the synagogue and to support the victims mm-hmm. of those of the families, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And then also we saw another uh, Muslim American group to help pay for the funeral costs. They they set up another fundraiser. They've raised one hundred eighty five thousand yeah. dollars. Ron, when I read that, both of those stories, it moved me because we know that uh, the Jewish people and the Islamic people have been enemies going all the way back mm-hmm. to Abraham's sons, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Isaac and Ishmael, mm-hmm. and, and they've been at war at enmity. But here we see the Islamic community reaching out to the Jewish community. They're grieving with them. They're supporting them. And, and this is what it means to be a neighbor, mm-hmm. by the way. And we're mm-hmm. going to come back to that thought in just a minute. So stick with us. You're listening to The Commos Matters, and we'll be right back. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to The Commonwealth Matters. Growing up as a child, who did you turn to whenever you had a crisis? Who was your source of strength? who held you in the darkest situations and became your beacon of light. Most of us will recall the love of our parents, our grandparents, our family. But the harsh reality today is that there are many who face the dark places of life totally alone. Since 1869, the mission and the ministry of Sunrise Children's Services has been to help children in crisis. That need grows every day in Kentucky. Everyone with a passion for children can join us in giving hope to children in need. To learn more, just visit sunrise.org or call 1-800-456-1386. Matthew 2540 tells us, The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Now's the time to be a child's source of strength. Come help us at Sunrise Children's Services. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. With me is Ron Hicks, and we are talking about the topic of processing public tragedy. There have been a number of stories in the news lately about uh, serious tragedy, the, the shooting at the bar in California, uh, the shooting at the Kroger in Louisville, fires in California that have taken uh, many lives there. Uh, But we're dialing in on one case in particular where a gunman went into a Jewish synagogue and uh, took the lives of uh, innocent worshipers there. Mm -hmm. And I think that has gripped our attention because the synagogue is a place of refuge. It's a a, uh, sanctuary. And and also with that, people are asking, where is God Mm -hmm. in the midst of Mm -hmm. that tragedy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... uh, one of the one of the things that we need to talk about too, and this upends some of our categories, Ron. That yeah. those in that area, uh, in the Muslim community, have reached out to the Jewish community. There has been a GoFundMe account set up. Mm-hmm. There's another fundraising effort to help the families in their time of grief and loss. 
and this upends our category because uh, the Jewish people have been at war with the Islamic people since the days of Abraham and his two sons, Absolutely. Isaac and Ishmael. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, th- this it's a picture of community. It's a picture of grace and forgiveness. And uh, I think for the church, when we think of uh, Islam, we don't have a lot of happy, good feelings towards them. But here... Uh, you have a case where you've got two people groups that have been at war with each other for thousands of years. And you know, Richard, when we consider somebody to be our enemy, and, and even even not even using that harsh term, if somebody's on the other side of an issue of ours, we we think that it's okay to be able to to be happy or to say, well, they got what they deserved, or well, yeah, if they would have just done this and done that. And so we somehow feel like we have won some sort of a victory when when something happens to somebody who's of a different mindset, different religion, sometimes even a different ethnicity. And, and that is not a biblical approach. As a matter of fact, you know, you, you and I have talked about this beautiful story in the scriptures about the Good Samaritan, uh, where the, the prevailing view is these Samaritans were, were half-breeds. They, they had, uh, Jewish people had intermingled, uh, married with those who weren't followers of Christ, and and so they weren't pure in the race. Ron, if, if I could jump in, the mm-hmm. Jewish people absolutely hated Samaritans. Yeah. They didn't think that they could be saved. No. They were they were outside the Jewish race. Right. They weren't practicing their religion correctly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they despised them. But here you have a story of the Good Samaritan yes. where Jesus talked about who is your neighbor. Yeah. And why don't you go ahead and read yeah, that? Yeah, it's, it's a few verses in Luke 10, um, verse 30, and, I, and I'm reading from an NIV version. And it says in reply, in reply to the question is, who is your neighbor? Uh, In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. Verse 33, though, says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Then Jesus posed this question in verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Well, the experts of the law had to reply, well, the one who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said, Go and do likewise. That's that's amazing because that upended the category of the Jewish people. I mean, Absolutely. you have a, Le, a Levite, a priest, yeah. and then you've got a Samaritan who wasn't even in the right group, mm-hmm. and he was the one who was the mm-hmm. neighbor towards that towards that wounded man. Absolutely, and uh, I, we can learn from this because uh, uh, when you, uh, regardless of what group you're in, mm-hmm. when you demonstrate God's love, His compassion his care for the the, the wounded uh, person on the side of the road, that is what being a neighbor is. And we he saw, yeah. we, we saw the, the Islamic community right. in Pennsylvania, in that case, reaching out to the those in the Jewish community. They were being the neighbor. Absolutely. The only thing they cared about, not, not uh, who did you vote for, what house of worship do you go to, and, and those things are all important things, but they saw people who were hurting, they were wounded, they were mourning, they were grieving, and they were compelled to say, we've got to step in and, and do something. We've got to be able to bridge this hatred and to be able to show love. 
and and they're they're I think they they should be applauded for that, and and they set the example I think for for all of us. And that's that's a, that is a good example. Ron, it's almost I, crazy to say that it, because it, it, you it know is. because it, a lot of people say what we should yeah. follow their example. Yeah. I'm not saying follow their religion, that's, but that's, certainly we should follow their example to be able to help those. You know, nobody was ever hated into heaven. Yeah. You know, it just, you, you know, have no stories of people saying, you know, ah, you're going to die and go to hell. You know, oh, well, yeah, I want some of that. You know, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't happen that way. God is love. Yeah, that's right. So, Ron, I want to pivot from this and talk about many people are asking, where is God? So we saw what a neighbor is, but yeah, where is yeah. God? Well, God why is he, love. Why didn't he show yeah, up? Yeah. Why, why, how did this happen? In the Jewish synagogue, 11 yeah. people killed and others wounded. And, and that, where is he? first of all, that is a legitimate and irrelevant question. If a non-believer wants to know where was God in the midst of tragedy, we as born-again, blood-bought believers need to be ready with an answer. And sometimes the people are frightened by that. But the Bible says, Jesus even told his disciples, when you're hauled before courts, when you're asked these difficult questions, just open your mouth and the Holy Spirit will give you words to say. I think the only bad testimony is the one that's never told. And so the the question of where is God in this, the scriptures kind of in Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for the good. Not everything's good, but it works together for yeah, the good yeah. for those that love God, um, and are called according to His purpose. God is in uh, in heaven; He's on His throne. Because of sin entering the world, He's all this sin is taking place, and He's there to be able to say, "Look, in the midst of your tragedy, lean on Me, and I can show you the good that I can turn this." But God knows something of tragedy because oh, he was there. This is what the cross is, where you have a sinful, a sinless Jesus mm-hmm. who took on the sins of the world. Yes. The most evil act in history was perpetrated against God. Mm-hmm. They, you know, when, when Jesus came to be a gift for us, right. salvation for us, provide us hope, provide us healing, mm-hmm. provide us purpose in life and joy and meaning, all of that. What did we do with that gift? We threw it back at them. Right. We said, we don't mm-hmm. want that. Yeah. It, and it was largely the religious establishment. Right. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. leading the crowds and mm-hmm. saying, crucify him, crucify him. We rejected him. So mm-hmm. on the cross is where you see the greatest act of evil mm-hmm. meet God's justice. Mm-hmm. Why do we talk about justice? Because sin requires atonement, and Jesus made atonement for our sin. Right. And then also you have uh, uh, love and forgiveness. You have Jesus poured out his great love and his forgiveness. So you see these four things. You see uh, evil and justice and love and forgiveness converge on the cross. Mm -hmm. And Jesus took our sin. He forgives us of our sin. Uh, He provides God's justice there. And and he... uh, he was that great sacrifice for us. This, and think, this is amazing. Right? Absolutely. Think about if God the Father would have released the angels to be able to say, okay, go take care of this. They could have easily destroyed everybody that was there, rescued Jesus from the cross. But Jesus, no, this is for the joy set before him, the scriptures say. And even on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive us. Hi, this is Richard Nelson with the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, and I want to thank you for listening to the Commonwealth Matters. Our goal is to help you better understand the important issues of the day, the issues of life, marriage, and religious liberty. But that isn't all we do. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is working to educate legislators and policymakers about these bedrock values so they can defend them while serving in Frankfurt. 
We're in regular conversations with state leaders on both sides of the aisle, encouraging them to uphold what Kentuckians like you value. But we need your help. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit group that only exists by the grace of God and the generosity of its donors. Would you consider a donation today to the Commonwealth Policy Foundation so that our work might continue? Please visit our website at commonwealthpolicyfoundation.org. There you'll find some easy ways you can help us accomplish this important work. Again, go to commonwealthpolicyfoundation.org and consider a gift today. And thanks in advance for any help you can offer. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, and we are talking about the tragedy in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where a gunman went into a synagogue and killed eight, 11, rather, 11 innocent people. And, and we're trying to process through uh, evil and tragedy when it hits the public arena. And then also we're asking the question, where is God in the midst of this tragedy? Ron, you're a pastor You've been asked that question in mm-hmm. the past, but mm-hmm. what do you say when somebody that is in that situation, how do you answer that question? Well, and, and you know, uh, I have actually done funerals before, and, and people have asked me, they said, now, now, preacher, please don't use this as a revival service. Please don't, uh, you know, the, the term I just used right before the break, peddling your wares, somebody actually yeah. said, please don't use this as an opportunity to peddle your wares. What are you supposed to do? You're well, a pastor. I, I actually first of all. say, well, I'm sorry for... what part of a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ don't you understand? Yeah. But but there's people that don't. And and so what I say to them is this: is listen, every single person that's going to be in this room has faced tragedy. Every person in this room has faced loss. Every single person has asked at some point or another, or will ask at some point or another, why. What is the reason? What is the purpose? Is there anybody out there? Is there anything out there? Is there is there a meaning, a purpose to this life? And when this life is over, what next? And so I have the answer. You have the answer, not because I'm brilliant or smart, but because God has revealed that through his son. And so I, I say, there is nothing else I can bring of words of comfort uh, to, to, to this loved ones other than the gospel. And, that, and that's what comes to mind, what other hope is there? Why would you want to do a funeral service or be there with somebody who's suffering when you have the conviction of what Jesus says, yeah. that, that uh, I, I will comfort you, I will carry your burdens, I am here for you. Why would you not share that with somebody? And I don't know how, I don't know what people are looking for yeah. that would actually give them comfort because you're operating from deep convictions, the biblical conviction that this is God's word, this is what Jesus did. Here's what he says. And uh, if, if, you, if you don't have that, obviously as a pastor, you wouldn't be a pastor. But um, I, I'm just kind of thinking out loud, what, what is it that people want? Are they so offended by the gospel that even in times of tragedy, even in times of deep grief and deep loss, that they wouldn't want that comforting that Jesus offers. Well, we, we said earlier that people look for things to blame it on, and so they blame it on the white supremacists, they blame it on the president, they br- yeah. blame it on the assault rifle. Yeah. And and when the, when it's all said and done, the one person that we can blame it on that, that is God. So God, we're going to blame it on God, we're going to hate God, and then we're going to say, well, he doesn't even exist, because if he did, he wouldn't have allowed this to happen. Yet, when Stephen was being stoned to death, yeah. Um, and it, 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 he he was one of the first deacons, according to Southern Baptist belief. He's one of the first servants of the church. 
as he was being stoned to death, everybody's standing around thinking, why is this happening? He looked up into heaven, the scripture said, and he had the face of an angel because he saw Jesus standing on the right-hand side of the Father. Jesus stood on his behalf, had him locked in his, in his, in his eyes, letting him know that it's all going to be okay. And, and none of us are getting out of this alive. So even, that's, that's right. Yeah. So even as Stephen was suffering, yeah. even as he was being martyred, uh, he was focused, he was mm-hmm. looking into heaven, mm-hmm. a spiritual reality, yes. uh, a, a, a truth there that Christians believe, that this world is not all that there is. Right. One of the things that, uh, that we need to realize, and that in the midst of this tragedy, is that it does point to this spiritual aspect, that we are not just physical beings although that's what seems to predominate, that we're, we are physical creatures. We, we, we breathe, we eat, we drink, we sleep, we work, we are physical creatures, but we have, we're animated spiritually. We have souls, and we feel uh, deep emotions, joy, happiness, grief. Uh, these things are not spiritual aspects, and I want to challenge us as we think through this issue to, to be reminded that we are spiritual beings. So much of the, of the culture today would tell us that you're just a physical being. There's no heaven, there's no hell, there is no God. And all that stuff is fairy tales. But the truth is, is that we all know that there's more than just this physical aspect. Deep down, Ron, we know that we have a soul. These emotions that God, give us, that God gives us, that's not a physical thing. Right. The, the joy, uh, you know, uh, Love, um, these things are emotions that are part of our spiritual being. You know why I think people get so passionate about this topic and, and why they have to look for blame and, they, and we, people start attacking each other and, we, and, it's, and it's so refreshing when we see people coming to the aid of folks is because what's happening is people are contemplating at this moment their own mortality. If it could happen in a synagogue, it could oh happen God. even here. If it could happen in a school in Sandy Hook, it could, it could happen even here. If it could happen in a church in Texas, it could even happen here. If it could happen, and so it, what if it happens here? What are we going to do? And so we're, we're bombarded with this whole idea of we are also mortal people that's appointed once for a man to die, and then what? And so when we're faced with that answer, or that question, and we do not have an answer, literally it rips to the very center of our fiber. What do we do? And so we lash out drugs, alcohol, pornography, entertainment. We turn all these other places to try to find comfort to that dilemma. And, and on top of it, to shut down the discussion sure. when somebody begins to talk about spiritual right. matters, right. when they point others to God, when right. they talk about Jesus, the conversation often often shuts down yeah. because it makes us feel uncomfortable, because we're our uh, uh, priorities are challenged, our worldview is challenged, and we'd rather be comfortable. One of the big things that that challenges and face, that we're all faced with in our uh, modern 21st century America today is our uh, personal peace and also our affluence. This is something Francis Schaeffer said years ago that inflicts America. And by the way, personal peace that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. We want to we want to live comfortable lives. We don't want to be bothered. Uh, uh, and then the affluence, our wealth, our uh, creature comforts. That gets in the way of us thinking about spiritual things. That gets in the way oftentimes of us thinking about our own mortality. But friends, we need to be reminded that we are mortals, and one day our life will end. And it'd be wise for all of us to ask, what is my life about right now? Instead of waiting until the end, what would happen if I died right now? What am I here for right now? 
These are questions that we would do well to ask before tragedy happens.